Second Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3, 4, and 5. As you're turning there, I want to be incredibly honest with you that I'm really nervous this morning. Normally, I get nervous typically on Sunday mornings, but not like this morning. Because of what we're going to talk about, the truth that we're going to talk about today. And I feel like I need to just kind of set the tone a little bit that there's potential that for some of us, what we're going to hear today could create conflict within you, tension. And rather than fight that, I would encourage you to embrace it. Um, And then sometimes when I'm just asking the Lord what to speak on, what he wants me to teach, sometimes he brings things to mind and then I get into it. I'm like, are you sure? And I hope that this comes, the truths that we look at today come from my heart, a heart of compassion. I I want this for us. I want this for you. I want this for me. And so as the Spirit puts on your heart to pray for me, I would appreciate that. I haven't slept probably well the past couple nights because of, I think the enemy doesn't want us to talk about what we're going to talk about today. I'm pretty confident in that. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 Verses 3, 4, and 5. Paul is writing, the Apostle Paul, and he says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. About a month or so ago, I was having breakfast with a friend. His name is Dave Loy. Some of you know Dave. And we were having breakfast here in Anderson at the first watch. And I really hadn't spent time with Dave probably in two or three years. And so we just had a great time over, over breakfast. And we got talking just about all different kinds of things, about Apollo 11 and whatever. Just catching up on all kinds of stuff. But as we continue our conversation, we began to talk about the, the sins that we struggle with in life. And he began to share some things, and I shared some things with him. And, and we talked about how really many of those sins that we struggle with, they really start with the wrong thoughts that come into our mind. And the more we talked about that, the more we talked about really there's a need for us as followers of Jesus to get a hold of our thoughts rather than allow our thoughts to get a hold of us. And so we came out of that conversation and we committed to memorize this passage together. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3, 4, and 5. And so we've been working on that just a couple weeks ago. We were out in the lobby challenging each other how well we were doing. And so this morning's message really comes out of that conversation with Dave about a month ago over, over breakfast. Because the more I reflected upon that conversation and that talk and I look back at my own life and my own struggles now and in the past, I really believe that this truth is so necessary for us 
to be equipped as followers of Jesus, but for victory as followers of Jesus. So this morning we're going to just talk about winning the battle for our mind. And someone that's defined the mind is that part of you that enables you to think, to feel emotion, to reason, to make decisions. Right now your mind is working. You're thinking about something. Thoughts are going through your head. You're making a decision. All these th- that's, that's happening because of the mind that you have. According to psychology today, it's been estimated that the average brain has anywhere from between 25 to 50,000 thoughts a day. Some even estimate that higher to be between 70 to 80,000 thoughts a day. And they say that the average brain or average adult makes um, 35,000 conscious decisions a day. I read them like, no wonder I'm tired, right? 35,000 decisions a day. That's crazy. And as I was thinking about that, I'm thinking about, man, this battle for our mind. No wonder if I'm having that many thoughts a day. Rick Warren, who's a pastor at Saddleback Church in California, and he wrote a best-selling book called The Purpose Driven Life. This is what he has to say about the mind. He says, I know whatever gets you or gets your mind gets you. Think about that. Whatever gets your mind gets you. So one of the most important things that we need to learn and teach others is how to guard, strengthen, and renew our minds because the battle for sin always starts in the mind. The battle for sin always starts in the mind. And then Kyle Winkler, who leads... Kyle Winkler Ministries says this. He says, your mind is the devil's playground. The majority of the battles you face are waged between your ears. And when I look at my own struggles, I totally agree. Completely agree. As I was thinking about it this week, that movie, Emperor's New Groove. If you've ever seen that cartoon, right? The animated movie. There's a scene where Kronk has to make a decision. Right, and you see it on the screen. You got little angel cronk and little devil cronk. Right, and you have to make some kind of decision. And the angel cronk and the devil cronk are going back and forth trying to convince cronk what he should do. And they have this little battle going on to try to one's telling him one thing, the other's telling him another. And he's having to make this decision. And there's this battle going on in his mind. And I so relate to that constantly. Throughout the day, my mind is at war, and I'm battling decisions and battling things that might feel good over doing the right thing that I know would be pleasing to the Lord. And I can just completely confess to you that my mind is a mess. It's a mess. You're like, we know. And those who know me well, you're like, amen. Your mind is a mess. It it just is. But I'm thankful that I'm not alone in this struggle, in this tension. The Apostle Paul also understood this battle between our ears. He He wrote it this way in Romans chapter 7, verses 21 through 25. He says, 
I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. He says, I love God. I love his word. But there is another power within me that is at war within my mind. And this power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. And I love how honest Paul is. He says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And then at the end of verse 25, he says, in my mind, I really want to obey God. I do. But because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. So he's acknowledging this tension that's going on inside his head. And it's as if there's this tug of war happening inside his mind, this UFC match that's going on, right? And in one corner, you got, I want to be patient with my kids. And in the other corner, I'm done. And you just say the harsh word, right? And in another corner, you're like, I should probably help that person. You know, that's probably the right thing to do, to say the kind word or whatever. And over here, you're like, forget it. I just got too much to do. And what, you know, there's this constant battle. It's over here, I should probably ask permission to borrow my roommate's clothes. Over here, she'll never know. I'll have, you know, she works till eight tonight. Whatever it might be. Over here, I, I feel like hitting my sister, right? That's what I want to do. That's how I feel. Over here, I know that would be wrong and unkind. And that stuff is going on constant in your head. Constant. It's going on in mind. And this battle just continues daily. Even to the point where in this corner we've got, should I turn the channel because I know what's on there probably isn't pleasing to the Lord or should I not? Because I really like this show. Or should I, in this corner, man, we're five months away from getting married. No one will, no one will know. Do I sleep with my girlfriend or do we wait? War. Going on. In me. In you. And as I've been thinking about it, I wonder if maybe you and I are not getting victory over sin because we're fighting on the wrong battlefield. And I've shared this before, but I had a 10-plus year addiction to porn. And I can tell you that I spent so much time trying to get victory over that addiction by trying to change my circumstances, by changing my surroundings, by trying to remove the physical triggers. And there's a time and a place for those things, for you to do those things. But I think I struggled with that addiction for way too long because I failed to fight on the right battlefield. The battlefield of my thoughts and my mind. And I think so many of us are trying to get victory over fear, worry, comparison, anger, lust, greed, whatever. By trying to change our circumstance. Whatever that might be. But changing your circumstance doesn't always bring victory to the mind. A man's lust problem doesn't go away if he gets married. 
victory comes when we start fighting on the battlefield where the battle really is raging. And so if it's true that the battlefield of our enemy is fighting, that that battlefield is our minds, then it's going to come when we start fighting back on that same battlefield. It's going to come when you and I begin to replace the lies that Satan keeps feeding us with the truth that God has given us. And I think, no, I know that we as the, we as the church have allowed Satan to raise his flag for too long on this battlefield. And we've just let him roam through this battlefield and have victory after victory after victory. And it's time for us as the church to storm the field, rush the enemy, slay the dragon, and send him crawling back in the hole where he belongs. And so you say, okay, I I want that. How do we get it? Well, how do we get victory? That's what I want to talk about this morning. How do we win the battle for our minds? I think one of the things we need to understand is we need to understand the landscape of this battlefield. And so this morning, I want us to spend time looking at a lot of scripture We need to understand first this battlefield, and God talks a lot about the mind. Join me in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 2. We won't look at all these scriptures, but we will look at many. 1 Samuel, chapter 2, verse 35. How do we get victory? We get victory by first understanding this battlefield. The battlefield of the mind. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 35. God is speaking. He says, And I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. God is speaking. He's saying, in my mind. So God has a mind. Isaiah chapter 55, we won't look at that one. You can jump ahead to the next one, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. But in Isaiah chapter 55, God is speaking there and he says, My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. So God has a mind. God thinks. He has thoughts. He makes decisions. And the Apostle Paul affirmed this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. First Corinthians chapter two, verse eleven and verse sixteen. Paul writes, he says, For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Verse sixteen. He's quoting from the prophet Isaiah who says, For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So Paul is affirming, he's recognizing that God himself has a mind. God thinks thoughts. God makes decisions. And then when we go to the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, we read that God made humankind in his image. And so when God made humankind, mankind in his image, he made us with minds. 
the ability to think. So when you think thoughts, when you make decisions, that is a gift from God to you. Your mind is a gift of grace that God has given you. And so when you're thinking thoughts, when you're making decisions, when you're feeling those, that's all given to you through your mind, which was given to you by God. So your mind is a gift from God to you because God has made you in his image. Go to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 11. Old Testament book of Ezekiel. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, chapter 11, verse 5. And the Spirit of the Lord fell upon me, and the Spirit, God, said to me, Say, thus says the Lord, So you think, O house of Israel, for I, not, for I know the things that come into your mind. That's scary. God's saying, I know the things that come into your mind. And if we were to look at that Jeremiah passage, it says, God sees what's in your mind. God knows what goes through your mind. God sees what comes through your mind. And I'll tell you this, if we were to put on the screen every thought, everything that came into my mind this past week, I would feel ashamed, I would feel embarrassed, I would feel guilty, and then you would have proof, if you needed it, that I really am a mess. And if we did the same for you, I'm wondering, you might feel the same thing. Because God knows what comes into our mind. He sees what's in our mind. Which tells me that God understands the battlefield. But the very fact that God knows what's in my mind and still loves me is a reflection not on me but him. That even though he knows those thoughts that go through my head and go through my mind every week, the things that I'm not proud of, and he still loves me, that speaks to him, not me. That speaks about him and how much he will love me in spite of me. And we read in the book of Colossians chapter 1 that God has a purpose for your mind. He has a purpose for your thoughts. A purpose for those decisions that he gives you the ability to make. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16. Again, the apostle Paul is writing... And he says in verse 16 of chapter 1, For by him, and that's talking about Jesus, for by Jesus all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him. And what's the next two words? And for him. So everything that God created He created for him. And that would include your mind. That would include your thoughts. That would include your thinking. And so God has given you your mind for the intended purpose of worship. Worshiping Jesus. He gave you your ability to think and have thoughts and make decisions so that you could use your thoughts, use your decisions for the ultimate purpose of bringing glory and worship to him. You are, my, you are meant, and your mind is meant to worship Jesus. It's like this chair, right? This chair was created 
for one purpose, one primary purpose, which is what? To sit in it. Now, I could use this chair to prop open a door. I can stand on it. I can throw it through a window. All different kinds of things. But the primary intended purpose for this chair is to be sat on. And it is achieving its purpose when I am sitting in it. When someone is sitting in it, your mind is achieving its purpose when it is being used to think thoughts about Jesus, to make decisions, to use your body, to use your mind, to worship and honor Jesus. That's why he's given you your mind. It is accomplishing its purpose when you are using it to worship him. And Jesus dealt a lot with the mind. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4 verse 17. From that time Jesus began to preach saying repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the word repent literally means to change the mind. That's what repentance means. It means to change the mind. So think about that for a moment. Jesus is saying, change your mind. Change your thinking. And so Jesus' message that he was preaching was all about challenging the mind from thinking that a person gets to heaven by being good and obeying the rules to believing that no one is good. Everyone is a sinner. And the only way you can get to heaven is by receiving God's goodness, Christ's goodness, which he's provided for you through his death and his resurrection. That's Jesus' message. He's saying you need to change your mind about yourself. You're not good. (laughs) You're a sinner. And then you need to change your mind about God. And whatever you think about God, understand that God loves you so much that he knows you're a sinner, that he sent his own son to come and die on a cross to provide you the forgiveness of all those sins in your mind and to wash you clean and to bring you into relationship with him. And he says, repent. So this message is about not just for the heart. The gospel isn't just for the heart. It, it doesn't just rescue the heart. It rescues the mind. And then he says in this Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 38, Someone comes and asks Jesus, he says, Jesus, what can I do? What's the best thing that I could do? I mean, what a great question to ask. And Jesus replies this way in Matthew 22, verse 37. He says, and he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your what? Mind. Loving God with your thoughts, with your decision-making. And so often we spend time on the heart, which we should. But I think for many years and for a long time in the church, we've avoided talking about how do we love God with our minds. And so Jesus understands the battlefield and he, he understands your, the purpose for why he gave you your mind, which is to worship him, to love him. And so how do we get victory? We need to understand the battlefield, the mind, but you also need to understand that you have an enemy, the devil. And this enemy has corrupted your mind with the poison of sin. Go back to the book of Romans chapter 7. If we go back to what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 7. Specifically verse 23. 
Let's start in verse 22. He says, For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. I love God's law with all my heart, he says. But I see in me another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to what? The law of sin that's in me. Wretched man that I am, verse 24. Who will deliver me from this body of death? He's saying, I have this thing in me called sin, this sinful nature, and it's at war inside my head. And the enemy has corrupted our minds and our thinking with sin. And his goal is to keep your mind and your thoughts from achieving its intended purpose, and that's worship of Jesus Christ. And he will do whatever he can to keep you from accomplishing that purpose with your thoughts and with your mind. It's as if we're on a battlefield and the enemy has released this chemical gas, this this poisonous gas all over the battlefield, and it's this gas of sin And he's immune to it, so it doesn't impact him. And he knows that your mind is your weak spot. So he just stays there. And he just keeps attacking, 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 attacking. And while he's there, how does he attack? He attacks by feeding you and feeding me lies. John chapter 8, verse 44. John chapter 8, verse 44. Jesus is speaking. And he says, You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. And now he's talking about the devil. He says, He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. He's saying, He's a liar. He lies because that's who he is. That's his character. He's a liar. For he's a liar and he is the father of lies. So Jesus is calling Satan a liar. He's the father of lies. So every lie originates with the devil. Every lie. He lies to you. He lies to me. He gets you believing lies about God, about what God has said. He gets you believing lies about your spouse, about your kids, about your future, whatever it might be. He will just lie and lie and lie to you all the time because that's what he does, because that's who he is. He is a liar. And he comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And so he feeds you lies and he attacks on the battlefield of our minds. Go to Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Think about it. Satan's first attack was attack, an attack in the mind. Genesis chapter 3. Satan's first attack was an attack in the mind. If we look at it, Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say... You shall not eat of any tree in the garden. What's he doing there? Did God God really say that? God wouldn't have said that. Man, if God really loved you, he would have never said that. Thinking. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, what? You won't die. 
what God said they would. Chapter 2, verse 17. God is speaking. He says, yeah, you can eat of any tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you will die. And the enemy comes along and says, no, you won't. No, you won't. It's not that bad. Just go for it. If it feels good, feels right, makes you happy, do it. Do it. And he gets them thinking, if God really loved me, then he'd let me have what I think and what I see and what makes me feel good. Because that's loving, right? If it feels good and I think that would make me feel good and make me feel happier, then I should do it. Then it's got to be right. And so she believes the lie. They take the fruit. And then what's the result? Hiding, shame, guilt, pain, ultimately death. It's as if the enemy just, you've got a line of dominoes, right? Used to do that with our kids, set up dominoes, right? create these creations. You push over the one and they all go. All the enemy wants to do is just get you to believe that first line, push over that first domino. That's all he cares about. Just push over that first domino. Then you have the domino effect of guilt, shame, pain, all these different things. And it all starts with the enemy winning the battle in the mind. And he plays this game. He fights this fight in so many different areas. Whether it be envy, comparison, lust, greed. And one that is so prevalent today that I see in our culture is the issue of gender. Listen, if you and I believe that God is loving... If you and I believe that God is truth and you and I believe that God has made us in his image and then when it says that he made us male or female, then that is loving and that is good. And God has a purpose for a person to live out the gender in which he created them. But the enemy gets us thinking, yeah, but I don't feel happy. It's hard. It hurts. I need. Then he comes along and says, you know, maybe God got it wrong. Maybe he got it wrong. Because if it would make you feel happier, then he wouldn't keep something from you that would make you happier. Or feel more accepted or whatever it might be. Well, that's the lie. Yes, he would if he knew that making that change or believing that lie would create harm for you and hurt. Like a loving parent, there are things that you don't give your kids or don't allow your kids to do because you know that if they do that, even though they think it might make them happy, it might hurt them. God's like a loving father. There was a doctor at John Hopkins University Hospital, and he compared this with someone who's anorexic. And he said, you know, for someone who's anorexic, they, they feel like they need to keep losing weight. Well, they're believing a lie. And he said the, the loving thing would be to help them understand the truth. And if you just keep allowing them to believe the lie, that could continue to hurt them and harm them. But see, you know, the loving thing would be for us to come around, and not just in the area of gender or, or, or anything, any sin. 
lust, greed, comparison would be to come alongside and help that individual who's struggling with that sin that the enemy is getting them to believe in their minds and help them understand the truth. Because why? Because Jesus said the truth will set you free. The truth heals. The truth rescues. The truth restores. And it comes down to do we believe God is loving? Do we believe this is truth? Do we believe God and who he is that he's good? And we have to understand that if we're going to win the battle of the mind, we have to understand the battlefield. We need to understand the enemy and the lies that the enemy will feed us. He will do anything he can. He will get you to believe anything that's possible to keep your mind from accomplishing its purpose, which is worshiping Jesus and using your thoughts and making your decisions that ultimately reflect him and what he has said in his word. And all he cares about is you and I just pushing over that first domino. And there's the other side of falling for the lie that we often don't talk about and we often don't hear about. And it's shame, guilt, brokenness, pain. And I can tell you, from my own addiction for over 10 years, the pain and the shame and the guilt silently that I felt and that I carried on my own for years because of this. I would just sit there in tears what am I doing? It's the other side of believing the lie that we don't talk about, we should. Whether it's name the sin, all the enemy cares about is just you pushing over that domino and you believing the lie and then it'll all go from there. And so what do we do? Man, I got this battlefield, got an enemy who wants to feed me lies and feeds me lies all the time. What we do, what the Apostle Paul said, and we read at the beginning, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10, 3, 4, and 5. 2 Corinthians 10, 3, 4, and 5. Just listen to the words he uses. For though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Look at the words weapons, warfare, destroy, take prisoner, strongholds. That's war, battle-like language. And he's saying, listen, if you want to win, you got to fight. You have to fight back. And Peter said it this way in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. I love how he phrases this. He says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And he says this, this desire to be holy, to make holy choices in your mind is, and, and, and with your body, with your actions, it begins by preparing your mind. And that's a verb. It's an action, he's saying. And that word was often used in the first century to describe people who would go on a journey or soldiers headed to battle and they would have these long flowing robes. And he said, here's what you need to do. You need to pick the excess up of your robe and you need to tuck it into your leather belt. 
Because when you're out in battle, you don't want to be tripping over yourself. If you trip over yourself and you fall in battle, you're a dead man. And he's saying you need to pick up those loose thoughts and you need to get control of them so that you can fight back. And if we're going to win the victory in our minds, we have to fight back. We have to take control of our thoughts, take them captive, rather than let our thoughts take us captive. So how do we do that? Hebrews 2.14. Hebrews 2.14. Here's the good news. Oh, that's bad news. But it's honest and it's real. So how do we fight back? Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Since therefore the children share in the flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil. You want victory? You show the devil the cross. You show him Jesus. Because it was at the cross that the enemy was defeated. It's at the cross where we experience forgiveness of sins in our minds. It's at the cross where Jesus provides us to be washed clean. Where he rescues not just our hearts, but our minds. Revelation chapter 12, verses 9 through 11. How do we get victory? You show the devil the cross. How else do you get victory? Revelation chapter 12, verses 9, 10, and 11. And the great dragon was thrown down, the ancient serpent who was called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they how have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb. You want victory? Show the devil the cross. You want victory? Show the devil the blood of Jesus. Because it's through the blood of Jesus that you and I receive forgiveness of sins and the enemy was conquered. Well, how else do we get victory? Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Satan destroys. Satan is about death. You want to get victory? Show the devil the empty tomb. Show him the empty tomb. And Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth. Well, Satan is a liar. He feeds you with lies. You want to defeat the enemy? You talk back with truth. You want victory? Show him the cross. Show him the blood of Jesus. Show him the empty tomb. And you talk back with truth. I think so. one of the reasons why many of us are losing this battle is because we don't know the truth of God. And for many of us, we don't want to, we don't want to know because... If we find out what God has to say about these things, it might mean I have to change my mind. It might mean I have to make a decision here that I I don't want to make. But we have to understand we have an enemy who is feeding us, feeding people lies. And truth sets people free. And so in love and in gentleness, we come alongside and we love and we help them understand the truth. We help one another understand the truth. We know the truth. We get to know the truth. So that we can win the victory, win the battle of our minds. And I can tell you this, from my addiction that I've shared with you, it was memorizing God's word, God's truth, like a champ that gave me victory. Scouts honor. I mean, seriously. I'm like, I'm done. God, if you said, if 
How can a young man keep his way pure by living according to your word? I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. If that's true, then if I hide your word in my heart, then I should get victory over this. Okay, God, so you promised. So I just spent time memorizing scripture after scripture after scripture, and God has given me victory in my mind. Is it still a struggle? Absolutely. But I still fight. I fight with truth. So how do we get victory, church? Jesus. Look at what Paul said in verse 25 of Romans 7. He said, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? Do you believe that? Now listen, I understand Right, that there are times in our minds where there's a physical condition, a chemical condition, and medicine is needed. I have a sister who's diagnosed paranoid schizophrenia, and she's had that for 15 years. And she is on medicine, and it has helped her greatly. And so I am for that. But the victory for someone who's on medicine and someone who isn't is the same. The ultimate victory. It's through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And for my sister, that helps her think rightly. So then now she can help think rightly so that she can think rightly about Jesus and get victory in him. You say, well, how do I do this practically? How do I get victory practically? There's an app for that. Literally, there is an app for that. So here's your challenge. To download this app called Shut Up, Devil. Came across it this week. It's awesome. You pull that thing up, you're struggling with worry, with fear, with what it, greed, envy, comparison, whatever it is. And it has a list of the lies that the enemy feeds us. You click on it, and then it just scrolls through scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture related to that lie. And then it even tells you what to say back. But don't make this a substitute for you getting in the word and hiding God's word in your heart. Don't let someone else, and they're hiding God's word in their heart, do that for you. You do it. And you fight back. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus. Jesus Christ. How do we win? He's already won. Show them the cross. You show the enemy the cross. You show them the blood of Jesus. You show them the empty tomb and you talk back with truth. And let's start winning the battle, the battle for our minds. I want you to stand and I want you to close your eyes this morning as we wrap up our time. And I just feel like giving some kind of response. If you're here this morning And you walked in, and I know this has been somewhat of a serious, more serious kind of message this morning, and rightfully so. But you're here this morning, and you've been struggling with a sin in the mind, or just a struggle, whether it be fear or worry or just something going on, some battle. I'm going to ask you to be courageous in a moment. And if you're here and you're like, you know what, I admit, I have, I need, I need victory I want you to know you don't fight alone. You don't fight back alone. 
That's why we're together. We come alongside one another and we fight with and for each other. And if you're here and you're, you're saying, you know what, I, I, need, I need people to fight back with me. And I'm not going to ask you to share what the struggle is. You don't need to share what it is. But if you're here saying, you know what, I have a struggle right now. The enemy is feeding me lies and has been feeding me lies. And I need people to pray for me. If that's you, would you just raise your hand this morning? Let's be courageous. Let's be vulnerable. You raise your hand. And you raise it so other people can see. And maybe you're here and you're like, you know what? I don't need just victory in my mind. I need Jesus. I need him not just to heal my mind. I need him to heal all of me, to rescue my heart, to forgive me of my sin. And maybe you're here and you go, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus this morning. Here's, here's what you need to do. You need to just surrender your life, your whole life to Jesus, believing that Jesus loves you, that he died on a cross for you, that he came back to life for you so that your mind, your heart could be washed clean and forgiven forever. That's how much he loves you. And if you're here this morning, you're saying, I want to give my life to Jesus this morning. I'm surrendering to him. You raise your hand. Amen. Anybody else? You're giving your heart and your life to Jesus. Anybody else? Those of you that raise your hand, you've got some kind of struggle going on. Put your hand back up. If you see someone with a hand raised, I want you to kind of gather around them and you just pray for that person. They're not going to tell you what it is. They're not going to tell you what the struggle is, but you just pray for them. Would you do that if you're near someone that has a hand raised? And you just make your way. Come on, church. Let's just go make your way to them. And you just, just pray in your heart for that person. Let them know that they're not alone in the battle. Because who will free us? His name is Jesus. He has freed us through the cross, through his blood, the empty tomb. He has given us his spirit to destroy strongholds. God, we love you. And as we pray for those, God, I pray for those who's right now they're just struggling. Maybe they didn't raise their hand, but people that are just struggling this morning. God, give them victory. Don't let the enemy have his way. Protect them from the evil one, God. Give them truth. Bring truth to their minds so that they can have healing in their minds, so that they can be rescued. Lord Jesus, thank you for going to the cross. Thank you for conquering the enemy at the cross. Thank you for conquering death through the tomb. And thank you for giving us your truth that fights the lies of the enemy. You keep praying for those that are here this morning that need prayers. We sing this morning. Let's sing this as a song of worship and songs of victory this morning to this great Jesus who's come and rescued us. And not just our hearts but rescued our minds. Lord Jesus, we love you. And it's in your name, in your victorious name, we pray. Amen.